Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Women in Leadership Talk podcast. I am super excited. We have Dr. Megan Leisure with us here. Leisure, sorry, Leisure with us here today. Super excited to have Megan joining us from Cincinnati. Is that right? Yes, Northern Kentucky. I'm, I'm in walking distance from downtown Cincinnati. Awesome. Okay. So welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thank and you, Vicki. Pleasure to have you here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, our pleasure. And, and all of our audience, we want to thank you for joining us. We know you have a choice as to what podcast you listen to. So thank you for joining the Women in Leadership Talk podcast. So let me give an official welcome um, to Dr. Megan. She's an award-winning industrial and organizational psychologist who is passionate about connecting challenge and compassion, insight and intuition, love that, and faith and fearlessness into the design of talent strategy and solutions for individuals and organizations. She has served as a chief officer for Talent Plus, a human resource consulting firm, led talent development for Bon Secours Mercy Health in an international health system, as well as established and led the people science practice for Macy's Inc. Now, is that Macy's, the department store Macy's? It is. Yes. Macy's Inc. is the parent company across all of the brands. Awesome. Love that. Okay. I, well, I come from a retail background, so <laughs> I'm always excited to, and people don't realize how in-depth retail actually is. Exactly. That's why the ink is on there because they just assume stores and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's a whole universe. It's so much bigger than just a store. Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Megan also serves on the Forbes Human Resource Council as an executive coach and has led research initiatives for the Cincinnati USA Regional Chamber and Women in the Marketplace, which is a ministry for working women. She's an avid speaker. She has presented at national and regional conferences, corporate meetings, universities, nonprofit events. She also has awards include the Society for Industrial and Organizational Psychology's Distinguished Early Career Contributions Practice Award. Wow, that is a mouthful. It is. <laughs> that <Yes>. is awesome. <laughs> She's also been recognized as Cincinnati's 40 under um, 40 influential leaders in human resources by Insights Success Magazine. And she is a fellow of the Society for Industrial and Organizational Psychology and earned her PhD in industrial and organizational psychology from Wright State University. So thank you. Wow, like such great accomplishments already in your life. And we're thrilled to get to have you here today. And, you know, our topic is really going to be about how to empower people to do what they do best. And that's actually one of my favorite topics. I know we're going to, we're going to look at it from a couple of perspectives, but um, you know, that's awesome that, you know, you're looking at how do you really get help people be in their best place and, and do the best work that they can do. So again, welcome. And thanks for joining yeah. us today. Thank you, Vicki. So excited to be here. Let's jump in. Yeah, let's jump into this. So let's talk a little bit about your background. Uh, maybe just give some context as to, you know, how did you even get into industrial and organizational psychology and um, where your passion comes from? Absolutely. So when I was an undergrad, I was officially declared undecided and <laughs> And I, I was trying to avoid the changing my major every semester kind of thing. So I was taking all the gen ed kind of classes and I was taking a lot of psych classes. Uh, I thought I'd wanted to be a psychiatrist and declared pre-med and psych as a dual major. And I started down the, the pre-med, the science class path, along with the psychology course path. 
And it turns out I am terrible at biology. And um, the grades matched that. And I said, well, I think med school's probably out. And so fumbled around a little bit, just hung on to the psychology major, kept taking a few courses. And this one semester, I had that just horrible schedule where nothing was working out, no matter how I laid out my classes. And I ended up taking a Monday night, 6 to 9 p.m. class. And it was industrial and organizational psychology. And I was furious because I'm not a night person. I did not want to take this class. It sounded silly and ridiculous. And two days in, I'm reading ahead. I'm staying after and talking to the professor. I'm, you know, researching grad schools. I'm doing all the things. And so one class changed everything for me. So I'm very grateful that I had that terrible schedule. And as I've gone through my career, I really started off focusing in the assessment space, the assessment testing space, really on the insights, building them scientifically validating them, conducting the statistics to determine the ROI for companies. Uh, And then it's really evolved there in terms of using them strategically. So how do you map out the talent strategy? What are those dots connecting across the employee life cycle? What are the tools you need? How can they fuel along that life cycle and inform and add insights along the way, both for the organization and for leaders of teams and for individuals. That's one of the things I love about assessments and surveys and all of all of those great um, things I get to dig into as an IO psychologist is that you can use them for scale. You can use them for large teams, workforce planning, small teams, you know, direct report and manager, or just someone learning about themselves. So I just love their versatility, their utility. And I love that there's science in it. I just, I think that's kind of sexy. And um, there's just such a huge benefit for, for so many groups. Wow, that's amazing. And, it, and it's fascinating too, because when you add the science component, mm-hmm. um, it really sort of grounds and solidifies, you know, what you're, what you're actually doing, right? And exactly. so, so, you know, when you're selecting that best talent, you know, and if I think about like, what would be something you would share with an organization to help them even begin this pathway of, you know, figuring out how to source the best talent? Absolutely. So there is, there's a lot of great science out there and it's the validation of tools, assessments, things like that. And it really isolates what top performers do, how they behave, what skills they possess, what's their makeup, what's a top performer makeup, but you don't stop there you also take a look at performers that are maybe average, that are maybe are struggling, um, that maybe are um, newer, not cutting it, all the different, you you look at all the variants of all of people who are doing a job or maybe a group of jobs, and you find out through those statistics, through that science, what, what is the makeup of a top performer that is different than everybody else? So you're not just looking at what's in common for top performers, You're looking at what's in common and what is in common that is different from everybody else. If your whole sample of people in a job are, you know, people who have learning agility, well, that sounds wonderful. But if your bad performers have learning agility and your average performers have learning agility and your great performers have it, you're not going to raise the bar in your hiring. So you really have to isolate through the science what the top performers have, what they do, what they know, what skills they possess that are different than the rest of that population. And some assessments do that within one particular job. 
Some assessment research might do that in a family of jobs that might be really similar. And then some assessments might do it more broadly and say, hey, we've researched people, all kinds of jobs, all kinds of ages, all kinds of positions. And, you know, we're looking at it more from like a, a broader global way. So there's some scope determinations in there too, but it's all about what top performers, their makeup, it's different than everybody else. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So yeah. I like that. So how do you, because I'm, I'm, I guess I'm more of a intuitive and more yeah. sensory. And so, you know, let's talk about how you, you know, tap into those natural strengths that people have mm-hmm. and, you know, how do you retain that best talent by, you know, really getting to know what their, what their superpowers are. So there's a lot of ways, ways for people to identify their own natural strengths. And so starting there, you know, we, we just were talking about assessments. Assessments are a very scientific way. They're a very precise way. Um, they're, you know, a way that's, you know, been fueling a great part of my career, but there's also very um, colloquial and relationship ways that you can help identify your natural strengths. So first and foremost, ask yourself, people seem to forget to do that. I've encouraged people to do SWOT analysis. Mm-hmm. On yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, And then ask people close to you. You don't necessarily have to go up to like your best friend or your spouse and say, what are my natural strengths? What am I good at? But what I have a lot of fun with is encouraging people to ask people who know them well, um, if you could see me doing a completely different job, what would it be and why? Mm, Okay, love that. You might get the most wild answers for the job and it might, it's not necessarily about the job. It could be something like, oh, I, I could totally see you as a lawyer because you're so good at debating and articulating things. There's a strength. There's two strengths. You know, I, I could totally see you as um, a grade school teacher because you're so positive and everybody just it feels warm and welcomed around you. There's some strengths. So you can ask people in your life who know you really well, some different questions to kind of think about what, what, what do you emote? What emerges from you? What do people notice about you? Mm. Um, Some things, those are some conversations that you can have with people and pull out the most amazing and surprise nuggets of information. That's, that's one of my favorites. And I use that in my coaching a lot. Mm -hmm. I love that. I actually did a post on uh, our social media platforms. I don't know if it's actually gone out yet or not, but that was one of the things I asked people to do is, is, you know, take a look at yourself and then ask mm-hmm. people, ask a couple of people you work with, ask some people that like are really close friends, people that know you, what do they, how do they see you? I think mm-hmm. that's such an important aspect. Yeah. And then how do you, so as organizations, mm-hmm. um, cause I know it gets really tricky on this end, but as organizations, how would you, or what would you recommend organizations to do to better tap into people's natural strengths? Um, oftentimes, I think we put people, we, we put them in the corner <laughs> and have them do the things that they don't like doing, and then they become disengaged. So how do we, how do we really ramp that up? You know, Vicki, I think one of the most critical aspects of this is training leaders to have really great conversations to get to know their people. And when we think of our natural strengths, it's it's the types of things that when we do them, we enjoy them because 
we are happy people when we do things that we're good at. It's, it's a very simple human concept. And so internally, we're adding value. Internally, we feel pride. Externally, people give us compliments. Externally, people are coming to us and saying, hey, can you help me with this? You're so good at these things. We get that feedback all the time. And leaders sitting down with their people and having those conversations. What do you get compliments for from other people? What do you feel good about doing? Tell me more about that. It really can cue in to that leader direct report relationship to help that leader understand like this person, you know, loves big picture thinking and they get frustrated in a lot of details. Well, you can't take away detail work in every job or, or in all jobs, sure. but you could, you as a leader could help provide opportunities for that individual to come up with ideas, to join brainstorming sessions. So even if you can't change every aspect of their job, you can know this person loves to do these things because they're proud of themselves. They know they add value and they're just having some fun. So creating some opportunities really just to let people shine because we all feel good when we're doing something we're good at. It is so, so natural. And adding on to that, you, you get the bonus of the, the relationship deepening with the leader. And, and that in and of itself is an engagement boost as well for people. So it's, you know, if, if organizations are helping their leaders have these conversations and honor and provide opportunities to empower their team members just to have, you know, different opportunities that that might engage their strengths a little bit more while still maybe doing the core of their job. If those aren't in and of the same, mm -hmm. that space for people to just really enjoy themselves and know that their leader hears them and wants them to have some fun and wants them to shine. Um, so it, it can really scale. And I think it, it does all come back to, to leaders understanding those foundational elements that when you do something you shine at, you just feel better. So how can I, empower my team members to have that same feeling when they're doing their work. Mm -hmm. No, I love that. I, I think that's so important. I actually, uh, I remember years ago, I was sitting on the board at Retail Council of Canada and our chairman looked at me and he said, oh, Vicki, you're such a wooer. And I was like, what? He goes, you're such a wooer. And I was like, what does that even mean? Right. And everybody is, is that a compliment? Like, I, I, I go, are you dissing me or is that a compliment? And everybody in, at the table was like, what is he talking about? And it was fascinating because that was the first time I think I had, oh, I had tried to naturally do that and pull people's natural strengths out. But what he shared with me, and this has been like, you know, 20 years ago now, but what he had shared with me was um, the strengths finder philosophy right? Mm -hmm. And what a wooer was. And I was like, I had no idea that that's how I showed up. Right. And a wooer mm -hmm. is somebody who, when you're at a, in a room of, you know, people, I would always go and find the people I didn't know just to get, bring them into the group and get them mm -hmm. comfortable. And he goes, I've watched you for years. He goes, you've always done that. And what I realized in that moment, and it was such an important point, Megan, he actually ran his company that way. So he was the CEO at Best Buy and he ran his organization based on people's strengths. And I thought, you know, and that was 20 years ago. And I'm like, how clever is that? Because when you operate in doing what you love or doing what you're naturally really good at, mm -hmm. you're going to be more engaged. You're going to excel in the work yeah. that you're doing. 
right? Absolutely. And to your point, you can't always take away those little, you know, the detailed stuff sometimes that we don't like or administrative stuff that we don't like. But if, if you know, 75% of your job can be around your natural strengths, then that's a, that's a really nice match. <laughs> and quite often it's not the skills of the job. We're not saying like, okay, you're an HR person. And oh, by the way, I love accounting. Like it's yeah. not necessarily like that. You know, him, him calling you a wooer and, and, and saying like, you bring people in, you welcome people in. That is a talent of how you can approach your job. You exactly. can approach the people you work with in your job. So you can think about it as a nuance, as an approach, as a method, as a way to get things done in a way that, that you're excited, you're adding value, you're adding impact. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. So, so I love that. And I wish we, you know, more organizations and people would, you know, share their strengths and, and even recognizing that it is strengths, right? Because to your point earlier, sometimes we don't look in the mirror and say, Hey, you know what? I am really good at that. And, and I should do more of that, but let's, let's sort of switch a little bit and talk about, you know, if, if you're, if you're looking for work, right? How do you stand out? Like we've got, like, I mean, I know, you know, we're, we have all this quiet resignation going on and, uh, you know, people are, are making changes in their jobs. we have a labor shortage of people, but yet, but yet I also see situations where people are applying for jobs and they're not getting picked up because they're not hitting those algorithms or they're, you know, so how do candidates help themselves really stand out in that competitive job market? You know, there's, there's, I I see it in some ways in terms of a resume, but then I also see it in terms of what, like when you have some conversations, right? Like you get to an interview phase. So I, I think what's really important is to know what you might have that other candidates might not. Maybe it's industry experience. Maybe you're a wooer. Maybe you're really great at um, talking to new people, being in the details, organizing the weeds, understanding what you have that, that an average candidate might not and celebrating that and articulating that on your resume and being, being very clear. Um, one of the other things that I really promote on a resume is just, just say what it is. We love the flowery language for some reason in a resume, and I feel great to it too. And, and right, right, we need to stop it, right? So, you know, being really clear in your resume, what you have that you think might be different than other candidates, where you think you would stand out and you're the right person. I think that's, that's absolutely important. And then as you get to a place of a conversation, not being afraid to talk about your accomplishments and being able to celebrate them, like, I'm really proud because I did this, or our team did this, and this was my contribution. Being very clear and knowing what things you did great, maybe throwing in some, some numbers to, to support that stuff. But I think people quite often undersell themselves in those conversations because they don't want to come across as bragging or too assertive. But I mean, if you're having an interview conversation, that means there's other conversations probably happening with other candidates. And how how will you stand out unless you're able to talk about the things you and maybe you with others in collaboration did really well? And I think the other thing that, that I don't see a lot of today is a true interest in the company 
in the role and doing some homework so you understand the company a little bit, what they care about, what might be on their strategic radar right now. What are they talking about about the company in the news if it's you know a, a public company? I think so many people go into like recruiter conversations knowing nothing, just like, yay, I got the phone call. And like, well, why do you want to work for us? And they have, they no idea have nothing. They haven't looked at anything. And, you know, is, is, you know, thinking on the employer side, like if, if they don't know who we are and what we do, why, why, you know, you're, you're, you're not selling yourself to, to be attracted to us. So we're probably not going to be attracted to you. So I think just a genuine interest, doing a little bit of homework and knowing what's going on with that company. Why, why might it be a cool place to work? Um, and, and being able to talk about that from the very first conversation you might have. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And, you know, just to expand on that even a little bit more is, you know, look at your network on LinkedIn and do you know someone who works in that company? Yes. What insight can they share with you? Right. Because absolutely, that's even better than what you get on the news. <laughs> what's the, so what's true. the real story, right. Of that so organization. True. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Awesome. I love that. So, you know, earlier you were talking about, um, top performers and those strengths and, you know, how, how do we tap into those top performers and what they're thinking, what they believe, what they're feeling and then, and how to really, you know, help them harness that in a way so that they can have significant impact in an organization. You know, I think organizations do a lot of work in terms of identifying their top performers or their high potentials, or maybe that's one in the same in some companies. And, and all the work is on the, the covert identification behind the scenes. What's the formula? What's the nomination? Whatever the case may be. And then they don't tell them or they don't really do much with them. Maybe, maybe they send them to some sort of leadership program. It's like, okay, we're going to fly you to New York for a week or Chicago for a week. And then that's really it. So I think organizations are missing a true opportunity to sit down with top performers, whether it's an HR business partner, whether it's maybe folks from your center of expertise or your center of excellence to really say like, hey, what's going on in your world? What feels great? What doesn't feel as great? Um, what can we be doing better? Just inquiring what what, what's going well? What, you know, what keeps you here? I, I'm not terribly fond of the concept of a stay interview in, in nomenclature, but having regular conversations to learn what's going on in people's world. Um, people like it when people are interested in them. And, <laughs> and again, it's very basic human nature. So um, I, I advocate for, you know, whether it's a, you know, HR business partner, COE, those sorts of things have conversations with these individuals, use them as the opportunity to learn more about what the organization is doing well, what they're not doing as well, what are those opportunity areas, and maybe they have ideas of how to contribute more. You could be completely surprised and you could have a new idea or even a new line of business or something that blossoms from those type of conversations. And maybe that top performer gets to lead something new. You never know what's going to come out of that type of conversation. You know, if, if we do one thing different here, what would it be? Or if you would sell something else here, what would it be? You know, just uh, ideate with the person. And so I, I just don't think those individuals, I don't think there's time spent talking to those people. It's all about the, how are we going to calculate who's on the list behind the scene 
And then we don't really um, take care of those individuals or really attend to them in a, in a meaningful human relationship driven manner. Nice. Nice. That's so true. Oh my gosh. That's so true. <laughs> and sometimes they might decide they don't even want to be at that next, right. That next level. That's so, okay too. <laughs> right. I mean, so it is critical to have those ongoing conversations yeah. and check in and see where people are and, and, or we may think that they're, you know, like they're these rock stars, but they don't feel that inside. Right. And so how do we help them recognize that? But, but that something you said there, it made me think of another question. So, so what do you believe the future of leadership is going to look like? Cause things are changing, right? Like I, I see there's yeah. a current that's it's in the air and it, there's definitely some changes. So what, what are your thoughts? I, I think the future of leadership is much more human, much, much more empathy, much more compassion I mean, it's not it's not a sunshine and rainbow scenario, but but having real conversations about how are you and having real conversations when when things maybe aren't well at work and just saying like, hey, this has been a terrible week. Let's just kind of vent for a few minutes together and let me hear what's on your mind and I'll share with you what's on my mind. Like it, it could be it, it could be sharing feedback, it could be venting, it could be anything, and just understanding that that you have a desire to meet people where they are as a leader. And also that means you want to know where they are. So just that sheer concept of, Hey, we know we have good days and bad days. And as your leader, I, I want to know when those are happening and, and I want to help you. And I, you know, when they're not good and I want to celebrate with you when they are good. I, I think the future of leadership is much more relationship and human focused. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I was reading something the other day. Um, and it was a, it was like Aegon Zender and Mackenzie had all compiled this article about how authoritarian style leadership is no longer, and that for leaders to be successful and navigate all the complexities that are going on right now, they have to switch on that human side of themselves. And and in fairness, like you know, we have been raised as leaders to believe that we have to know all the answers that we have to, you know, be this tough rock solid. And that doesn't, doesn't carry as much weight any longer. Yeah. And team members know that that's not real. I mean, you know, your leader is just as human as you are. And so I would much rather have a leader say, wow, I don't know. Let's go figure it out together. Let's go find the answer together. I would much rather have a leader that says that that's like then is like, do this, do that, next step here, talk to this person. Like and just like like let's find it together. Let's go hunting. Um, yeah. it out. Exactly, exactly. I love that. Let's go hunting. Yeah. <laughs> let's figure out like how do we how do we work together in a you know a very um, empathetic and passionate way. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that you won't get feedback in how you're performing. That's not what we're saying. Yeah. But, you know, leading more from a human centric aspect is because we are humans, we're not robots. <laughs> we are humans, we have emotions, we have, you know, realities that are very different from each other. Um, so yeah, that's, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. So I'm just cognizant of our time, but, you know, what are things that, you know, what would you want our audience to maybe walk away with today? Two things that, you know, they can implement and, and make changes or even just to explore and reflect on for themselves? I, I think the first one, Vicki, would be to ask people in your life 
what your strengths are. You know, what, what are, what do you think I'm good at? What kind of job do you think I should have and why? Simply asking that question, you will always get surprised. And it's a lovely way to get closer to the person you ask to. I think we forget to do something so simple to learn about ourselves and everybody who is in our life perceives us and values us in different ways. And I think asking that question um, can just reveal some outstanding things. And the other one, a, a bit of a, a curve from the topic, you know, I, I know a lot of recruiters out there and for folks who are job hunting, um, recruiters have a tough job and a lot of times people aren't nice to them. And so what I would love to, to share is, um, you know, recruiters doing a job, recruiters got a hard job. And when you have a conversation with them, don't, don't treat them like the ignorant gatekeeper. Have, appreciate them, be grateful, be, you know, be thankful that they're giving you time. Um, recruiters don't have all the answers about every single job, but let, let them find them out for you. How, you know, ask them what, why they work for the company, ask them um, how they got into recruiting, learn a little bit more about them. I, I know sometimes they, um, they don't feel as um, welcomed by candidates sometimes. And that makes me sad because they have a very important job. They have a hard job. And um, they're, they're just like us. They're trying to, to add value, do things that they're good at. And um, just, just you know, remember that, that they're a human too. They're trying to get stuff done and, and be a good citizen in their company and, and be, be kind to them. So I just, um, I think about that because they're trying to maybe shine in some of their strengths as well and um, be open to that conversation and give them a warm welcome. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great share actually. And, you know, oftentimes we forget like we are all human and all doing the best that we can do. And so, you know, you're also like, you're building relationships and whether it's with the recruiter or the person interviewing you for the job, like life is about building relationships. And so, you know, treat people the way you would want to be treated. And so think about that, you know, no matter who it is that you're talking to. It's, right, right. It's a, that's such an important aspect. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you for sharing with us thank your you. expertise. And, you know, you, you've brought home a lot of really great points. Um, I, I, I am especially with you on, you know, just taking that look in the mirror and what are what do you see yourself good at and how do you articulate that in a way that, you know, helps people to understand who you are, right? Um, I think that's such an important message. And oftentimes we get caught up in the persona of who we think people want us to be. Mm-hmm. But newsflash, you're eventually going to come out as who you are. Exactly. <laughs> that way. Can't hide it for that long. It's too exhausting. <laughs> it too is too exhausting. So be authentic, <laughs> be yourself. So Dr. Megan, thank you. Thank you so much for, you know, coming in today and having this conversation with us. Uh, We look forward to hearing more from you as the future unfolds. And uh, I want to thank our audience for joining us today. As I said earlier, we know you have, you know, you have a choice as to what podcast you listen to, and you can certainly connect with Dr. Megan on LinkedIn. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. We're happy to answer any questions that you have after you've listened to the podcast. 
Um, but we're super grateful that you're here. And uh, hopefully you can take away some tips today that will have meaning and impact on your life. And we hope to see you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. We hope to see everyone again on our next podcast. So Dr. Megan, thank you again for joining us and have a great week, everyone. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Take care. Thank you.